0: Another episode in The Clinch. I'm your host, John Cox. With my co-host, as always, Teddy Benders, the international man of mystery. Teddy, say hi to the fucking people, would you? Good, good to
1: be back here, John. You know, coming at you live from Man Matt College at oh. finals week.
0: I'm, oh. a,
1: I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I feel like an academic weapon. So, yeah, I'm ready to absolutely <laughs> nail this podcast.
0: All right, sweet. I'm fucking fired up, too. Um, dude, I mean, we have a lot to talk about. Um, UFC that. Uh, well, I don't know if you heard. There was a pay-per-view over the weekend. Um, it was decent. I, I, yeah, I decent. All right. you know, it was all right. Um, UFC 269 was pretty much everything anyone hoped for. Um, if you're a casual fan, I think this pay-per-view might have flipped a lot of people that uh, get, get just to get them invested. I know even personally, I know people that watch this and were texting me the whole time. Like, holy shit, dude, I got to keep watching this. And like, this is crazy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I know. It's like, once you get into it, man. It is the best sport in the world. Um, Fuck, man. I mean, it's like really is a matter of like, where do we start here? We have show notes that we take every week. And I got Ryan Hall written down first. But, I mean, I feel like there's so much more to talk about, like, before we even get into, like, really breaking stuff down. Um, Man, it was just so insane. This is part – I mean, should we just start right off the bat? Is this the best card of all time? Whoa. Um I
1: think it's it's in no. the conversation. It's definitely in the conversation. I would say this rivals the cards from this year that we thought were really good. This goes against 268 and 261. Um man, I mean, as a whole, I think it's better than both of those. Yeah, I think oh, so. No, too. Dude, I, I think so too. I, I, I do. I think it's
0: I think it's awful. it's
1: between this and two sixty eight, which is so crazy back yeah. to back. I know. I don't know. i gonna have to sleep on this it, one. It, it's because... hard
0: for me to top 189. I think that's always going to be my favorite card of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, this one really, it gives it a run for its money. If it's, It might even be tied, honestly. I mean, this was pretty much the perfect card.
1: It's hard because I'm dealing with a couple biases. I'm dealing with recency bias with this. Right. But also, I have the bias of being at 268. So, right. I it would always hold something special to me. So, I don't... Man, you really put me on the spot there. If I prepared for yeah. this one, I'd have a better answer. But I, have I, it's up there for sure. It's yeah, insane.
0: I, I thought the same thing with the recency bias, but I've had a couple of days to think about it. Obviously, there's people like the night of and everything talking to friends and being like, this might have been the best card ever, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's like the card just ended. You're going to think it's unbelievable, even though it was unbelievable. But I've had a couple of days to think about it. And I mean, it really, it's definitely up there. It's definitely up there. If it's not the best ever, it's top 10 for me.
1: I think top 10 is probably... Very safe to say yeah um, yeah. yeah dude like just I, it reminds me a lot of 217 where it was like you know maybe that not so much change like there was three title changes that night, but like it feels like the landscape of the whole promotion is so much different now that we thought it would be. so yeah um, I'm beyond excited to break this down.
0: Yeah, I am too. Uh, before we get into the, the 269 recap, definitely, uh like share retweet this one we want to get as much exposure to this as we can because we are going to be uh planning and doing a big new years uh like a recap of 2021 in MMA um I'll go over it right now and say it this is probably the best year in UFC history uh, I Ooh. think it's very hard to argue that it's not I, this is we were insanely spoiled this year with uh pay-per-views um just the fans coming back post-pandemic uh if, i mean you could debate whether or not we're still you know but um yeah i, I it's just like it's so hard to look at other years and be like I, I can't think of another year where we had this many unbelievable like jaw-dropping cards on it and fights and whatnot in my opinion i think 2021 was the greatest year in ufc history
1: man it's definitely up there i'm thinking immediately uh 2016 was also a really good year right. There was a bunch of good fights in that year too but um yeah man i think 2021 is definitely one of the history books i can't wait for that show that we i didn't know we were going to talk about on this one i thought that was kind of off the record well, but, We're know. just
0: kind of, you know we're just a little teaser a little teaser yeah, we're just, not, i mean we got a, a bunch sample. of stuff we're gonna be doing you know just something to keep your eye out for
1: yeah yeah keep your eye out for that because it's going to be a great show we're breaking and out it's going to be years. live
0: from the mgm in vegas oh i
1: didn't know this part who's paying for the flights
0: I just figured you had some sort of connection. I don't. I don't have any connection to airlines, but that's all right. That's so, all right. You know, we'll we figure that, part that out. Then. Yeah, we'll revise that. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, let's get into it, man. Um, let's start off real quick. I mean, we had a bunch of different... Uh, we had This was not the first fight of the night, but for me, this was the first fight that jumped out. Uh, the early prelims, Ryan Hall versus uh, Derek Minner. Um, Ryan Hall, if you don't know who Ryan Hall is, he's definitely... Is he, again, I mean, a lot of hot takes right off the rip. I say he's probably one of the better jujitsu artists of all time. I think that's somewhat safe to say. Um, he's just kind of revolutionized the, the sport of jiu-jitsu. And as far as modern day goes, active fighters go. he's. I think he's safe to say that he's the best. Um, he has a very unorthodox style of fighting uh his like go-to move is an eminari roll, which is extremely difficult most people can't even do it and it's like his thing um but we saw a different kind of ryan hall here in this fight in my opinion i i think he looked a lot more aggressive his striking looked great uh he wasn't we saw in his last fight he, he went for the eminari like fucking 20 times uh and you know what he's going for every time you know that it's his goal is to get down there and snatch that leg and go for the heel hook or the leg lock or whatever he decides he wants to do. But um, this fight, it seemed as though he wanted to stay on his feet a little more than usual, and he definitely had a bunch of submission attempts. Uh, wasn't successful in any of them, but there were a couple that were close. Ends up getting the win by decision anyways, but I think the striking is what really stood out to me, and uh, it's something that I can't recall seeing from Ryan Hall before, at least recently in any of his fights.
1: I think the biggest takeaway for me in this fight was that Ryan Hall was able to adjust his style to be able to win a decision. Now, he's had decision wins before, but typically you're not going to score many points by th- spamming M rolls and right. blowing up uh, submission attempts. It usually doesn't go well on the, on the scorecards, but he learned from his last fight. I think he overused that tactic a bit much against Ilya Tuporia. And yeah. by the way, is a fantastic jujitsu jitsu player himself. He's the exact type of matchup that would be able to expose that part of uh, Ryan Hall's game. Yeah. Um, but again, he, he had another tough test here. I mean, his opponent was a very, very good jujitsu jitsu player himself, but not nearly on the level of Ryan Hall. Um, he did strike a little bit more. I noticed that. But he's always had that kind of repertoire of kicks to keep the distance and try to um, control where the fight's going so you can set up the R role. But I thought he was much more effective with that. And not only that, but when he got to the ground, I thought he did a lot more damage than we're used to seeing him um, put out. So I was super impressed with Ryan Hall's performance.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, yes, that, that's also kind of my ending point on this is that I was just super impressed with how Ryan Hall looked, especially coming off um, a KO loss or a TKO loss. Um, he just bounced back really well. And like you said, he's got that, like I've, Well, like we've been saying, he has that one style. Everyone knows what he's going to do, and it doesn't seem like many people have an answer for him. It seemed at first that Derek Miner might have had him figured out. And then, like you said, for him to adjust and um, kind of switch up his style, which is traditionally pretty one-phased, it was just really impressive to see and um, kind of a bit surprising. Uh, I I hope that he keeps getting fights, man, because this is twice in a year that he's fought. And before that, it was a pretty long time, if I can can take a look at see exactly when it was but i feel like it was years between fights or maybe not years but uh it was
1: a long time he a had a fight scheduled in that time period but injuries and you know the pandemic also got in the way of that so he had a long laugh before his elite to fight so hey. i think that it's it's key for him to be active like this take another fight after you just fought in july mm-hmm. i think that's what's best for ryan hall
0: yeah and uh also ryan hall if you're listening uh cheer up man just cheer up <laughs> cheer up <laughs> yeah there's just no he's never smiling he's always just looks like he looks like he's really good at fighting but like doesn't want to do it like people are like he just that's happens kind to of, be really good at it and he's just like ah fuck i guess i'll do this again and then he wins that's kind
1: like, of what right. he's doing like he doesn't need to fight he's right. he's really good at jujitsu like he does a lot of classes with that he makes money doing that he does a lot of uh, scholarly work too he's a very very smart guy he does not need to fight and it's not, it doesn't really fit into his lifestyle really, but he's just so good at it that he's, you know, willing to go forward with it. And he's also not a big fan of the spotlight and the fans and everything. So that's kind of another reason why he's like that. But I think it's hilarious when he gets his hand raised and he does a shrug. It's, it's such a contrast to, you know, the people who get really excited when they win, he's just like, ah, okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. You have guys like tied to Ivasa, like drinking out of shoes. And then Ryan Hall is just like, yeah, just exactly shrugs speaking of Tai Tuivasa very impressive performance from him um very very he looked very technical in this fight uh he does I for a bigger guy he always has been pretty technical I think but in this fight he really like he never seemed like he was in trouble at any point we saw the Greg Hardy fight he got rocked before the knockout um in this fight though it didn't look like he was really in trouble at any point and Augustus Sakai is no joke man he is a legit heavyweight And um, I thought Ty was super impressive, man. And now, of course, finally, Ty Vasa jumps into the rankings here. Uh, I believe he's ranked 11th. If I'm just going off the top of my head, Uh, let me check real quick. Yes. So Ty Tuivasa, 11th. And there's someone right above him. We were talking about this before. You said you want to see him fight this guy, Tom Aspinall. What do you think about that?
1: Absolutely. I absolutely want to see that fight next. First of all, uh, tai Tuibasa really, really showed that he has the ability to be patient and then turn on that switch, which I think right. is a difficult thing for people to do. We see a lot of fighters get caught, you know, standing at range and being really hesitant to engage after they've taken a lot of time to be patient and pick out their shots. Mm-hmm. I think Ty did a really good job relying on his game early in this fight, and then as soon as that bell sounded, he really went for it, and he got that finish early in the second round. But like you said, I would really enjoy seeing him versus Tom Aspinall because there's that London card coming up in March. That's mm-hmm. enough time for Ty to get another camp in, heal up. I don't think he took too much damage in this fight, no, but you no, know, exactly. I think it's an appropriate timing wise for matchmaking. And on top of that, Tom Aspinall is on the way up. And I typically don't like the fact that they make younger guys fight each other. I think you let the prospects, you know, fight each other when they get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. But Ty Tweeboss Boss is not getting any younger. He is still relatively new in the sport uh, yeah. considering his age. But I just think that's a Great fight, two great personalities. Um, yeah. and I think that in a place like London at the O2, Tai Tuivasa would like that place up. And we've been talking about how his personality is very, very likable, and that the only thing he's missing is that he's not a dominant force that he hasn't, he's not overwhelmingly good. So he hasn't been able to take advantage of that momentum. If he were to be Tom Aspinall in London, that would do wonders for his yep. career and his popularity. So I think that's the fight to make, but also. I would like to see him versus Derek Lewis if Derek Lewis loses this weekend. Because um, I think Derek Lewis would be somewhere around seven at that point. Those yeah, two personalities yeah, together would be – that would be incredible. So um, there's a lot of good fights for him to make it heavyweight, but those are the two that I want
0: to see the most. Oh, that Derek Lewis fight scares me, man. I just don't want to – like, Ty is so, like, lovable. I just don't want to see him get hurt even though he's a fighter, you know? like I, just wanna, I don't want
1: to like, see either of them lose,
0: Right, you know? It's just like, but, I can just see Derek. Like, I don't want to see a Derek Lewis knockout on Ty Tuivasa the way that Derek uh, Lewis does it. Like, <laughs> it would just be so true. sad. It'd be very so true. sad. But speaking of Ty, it's like, I want to see more of Ty Tuivasa, not just in the ring. Like, he's got such a marketable personality. And I get that it's COVID and it's tough to do things. And like, um, with Australia, they have super insanely strict uh, COVID re- uh, restrictions and stuff like that. But like, I, I just want to see more of him, man. Like he's so marketable and like you see like Forrest Griffin still doing commercials, Dominic Cruz and stuff like that. And Dominic Cruz doesn't have a super flashy personality or anything like that, but he's marketable as well. Like I want to see Ty Tai in like uh Toyo tire commercial or something like that, or like just more of him wherever they can put him. Um, he doesn't seem like he seems flashy, maybe not super talkative or like technical. I couldn't see him. Maybe I, I really couldn't see him on the desk or anything like that, but, I don't know. I think it's, like, I, I'm also not Australian. I don't live there. So, like, maybe he's huge there uh, on TV or whatever and, like, doing commercials. I don't know. But just from a UFC aspect, like I just want to see more. Like, I always want to see what this guy's doing. He's super fun to, like, watch. And uh, his personality just pops like crazy. It's it's He's just so fun every time. Everybody loves him. There's nobody who doesn't like Tide Tui Vasa, you know? So, uh, I, I thought it was funny, too, when he got that knockout and he jumped on the cage and he does his shoeing and all that. Steve will do it uh if you look back on some of the replays all the referees i think it was mark smith was the referee he's like yeah. yelling at him to get off the cage and stuff like that I'm like dude he's ty like no. is not getting off the cage like everyone knew this was coming this is the reason people want to see him win because they want to see him do this gross shit and uh drink out of shoes and throw him into the arena and all that shit it, it's so much fun man i love ty uh, i'm super happy for him and uh i hope he keeps climbing the ranks and like you said man a matchup with Tom Aspinall, if he does get it in London, would be fucking phenomenal if he could pull off that win. I think regardless, it's a good fight. Um, and I think he's going to stay in these rankings for a little bit. I think it would take a couple losses in a row to knock him out of there.
1: Man, It would be tough. But I also want to mention, while
0: you're talking about them trying to get
1: him off the cage in the shoeies, he now does a tradition where when he's walking back from the cage to backstage, through the crowd, people will, you know, pour beers into shoes and give them to him and stuff. They were him from doing that, and he was upset about it in the post-fight. So, I think you just gotta let Ty do what he wants. Um, maybe COVID protocols got gone the way yeah. of that one specifically, but man, I feel like that, the London crowd would love that. Uh, yeah, even if so their guy, Aspen, all lost. So, I think that fight's just money.
0: I saw guys pouring beer, like, off the balcony, onto his face and yeah. shit. I was like, dude, this yeah. guy's out of his mind. It's awesome. It's He's just so much fun to
1: watch. And in July, um, when they pulled it off the balcony into him, they had hot sauce in it. And he didn't know, so maybe yeah. that's why they didn't want him to do it.
0: Maybe, yeah, because he's an actual like physical risk doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's a nice <laughs> guy, but I wouldn't want to get him angry. No, right. Um, speaking of guys, you don't want to get angry. Apparently, Dominic Cruz. We have a very curious case to talk about here with Dominic Cruz. Uh, first off, let's talk about his fight. Fantastic performance from him. Um, just an all-time Dominic Cruz. Like performance, a legend of the sport, a legend, a legend at bantamweight. Um, so odd and unorthodox. Everyone knows that his movement is his biggest part of his game. And Pedro Munoz had him in a lot of trouble in that first round. And I think I was watching Mm -hmm. with a couple buddies who don't really watch a lot of the fights. And I was like, You got to watch and just keep an eye on Dominic and watch how he moves. It's so odd. And then when Pedro really had him hurt in the first round. You could see that it was more just Dominic made a quick mistake and that's how fighting goes and it ended up in a lot of trouble. But if he can weather that storm and learn from what he did and adjust mid-fight, there's not much you can do because he's already got such a good game plan. He's already so hard to game plan for. He's so good at throwing people off their rhythm and stuff like that. Um, I saw uh, an interview. I think it was Israel. I think it was on Joe Rogan, and he was just talking about how when he was fighting Robert Whitaker, he, he picked up on Robert Whitaker's um, movement and like tendencies in the cage of how he would move pre-striking. So he would do something small and then he would throw a punch and he just noticed that. And then once he started noticing the movements, he would, do a little slide to the left, slide to the right, step back or something, just throw him off his rhythm just a little bit so that he can't set up that punch. And I think, like, thinking about someone like that where Izzy is so good at it, but, like, Dominic Cruz must just be a fucking nightmare to try to hit. Like, I can't even imagine. Uh, And like I said, I think he made a mistake, and that's what ended up Pedro capitalizing on it. But, like, how gutsy was this performance of Dominic Cruz? It's just just fucking phenomenal. It it was. I always root for him when he's in the cage. Outside the cage, uh, I'm indifferent on him. He just kind of, like... I don't know. He he seems like cool, and then sometimes he just says odd shit, and like you're like, I don't know what I think. I like how to feel about this guy.
1: I was very very impressed. How many times are gonna say that phrase? But Dominic Cruz, right. in the twilight years of his career, um, to move as well as he did as and having as many injuries as he's had, I was telling to my buddies. I was watching this with. I was like, this first round for Cruz is gonna tell us a lot. I'm really curious to see if he can still move as well um, because I wasn't very very impressed. I'm really... I think it's like the 10th time I've said impressed tonight, but I wasn't <laughs> impressed with his last performance against... Um, you were
0: not impressed with his performance?
1: No, I wasn't impressed with his performance. I thought that he <laughs> could have got Casey Kenny out of there a lot earlier. I think there's a big gap in that skill. So I was very nervous for him coming to this fight against Pedro Munoz. And in that first round, I was like, wow, my worst memory is coming to fruition. Not that I'm heavily rooting right. for Dominic Cruz, but this is kind of what I figured might be uh, troublesome for him. But um, Dominic Cruz... Not only could he move very well, but he took that shot and he showed championship mentality coming back and winning two rounds after that. Right. Right. I mean, that that says so much about the type of character that he's got, and also
0: and nearly stealing the first round.
1: True, did very well in the first round after right. he got rocked like, towards true. the end. Yes, um, his recovery is is very very improved. Um, but when I saw him go and get hit initially by Pedro Munoz is because he was swinging his head down, like doing that unorthodox movement that he really likes doing. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to how he got cracked against Cody and how he got cracked right. against Henry Cejudo, where that style is very, very um, effective for him. And it's kind of how he's made his bread and butter in the UFC, but you can see the downsides of it. You know, when he's swinging out of places, he's not expecting a punch to come at him at that angle. Yep. And they catch it by surprise sometimes. And if you're moving with your momentum going towards the punch, it makes it hurt that much more. So um I was nervous for him in that sense but down the stretch of the fight he really did very well and um yeah I think it's safe to say that maybe Pedro Munoz just uh didn't do his homework
0: yeah exactly um but how do you I mean how do you do your homework on Dominic Cruz he just is so like he's obviously extremely technical but he's just so unorthodox in so many different ways not just his movement the way he throws a jab the way he sets up his combinations uh Sometimes he's sitting there and he's just tagging you up for volume. And then every once in a while, he just has this burst of a couple punches in a row where you're like, holy shit, those are power shots that like, I wasn't not expecting at all. Uh, On the, on the topic of his movement and his uh, post injury, like how he looked, I thought it was a little bit slower than it was uh, in the beginning of his career. Obviously it's going to be slower anyways, because he's older and he has had injuries, but it's still the same. Like he still got that same hop to his step that uh, hasn't seemed to wear, uh, wear off over the years. And I give him a ton of credit too for the amount of things he's gone through in his career and still like having that drive to fight and still wanting to fight um, and still being just so good and such a, a high level fighter uh, and of an extremely tough division, as you put it, probably the best division in the UFC right now. Um, he's still doing his thing and he's still holding out and he hasn't really slipped that far in the rankings. Uh, obviously we saw him lose the belt to Cody and it's kind of gone a little bit downhill since then. But, I mean, he just jumped up too. He went from nine to seven here. And now he's right in the mix with Marab, uh, Font, Cody, all that stuff right at the top there. So um, I, I don't think it's totally out of the conversation to see we might see Dominic Cruz uh, at some point be fighting for a bantamweight title again.
1: And that's exactly the type of performance that he needs. Um, right. And, John, you totally missed my homework joke that I said with Pedro Munoz. I thought you wanted to talk about D.C. in this situation. Oh, well,
0: right uh yeah that was i i don't understand why like he said anything like that uh (laughs) it was very odd and like it just seems to create a weird rift where there doesn't need to be one um right he talks afterwards like i kind of thought he was just fucking with dc and just kind of like giving him like a old like well dc sucks at commentating or whatever like even though he clearly doesn't and it's like whatever uh, it didn't seem to be that way though. You seem like have like a legitimate gripe with DC and his commentating. Um, I don't think DC is there to do that role of the of the broadcast team. Mm. Uh, like that's just not why they have him there. It's it's not like I mean the one they have there for that is friend of the podcast, John Anik, I think. John Annick's the one who has all the stats, all the he did this and this day. Uh, he did this then. He's fought this guy. He fought here. This is his record then. You see uh, John Anik a lot of those statistics. And then Joe Rogan is there on color, obviously. He has a mix of both things. He has a, like incredible fight uh, knowledge and memory. And then I think DC there is there more to tell you what's going on and what should be happening, what this guy needs to do to win, what this girl needs to do to win. We hear that more in my opinion on the broadcast is when you see guys go to the ground. Because I think a lot of people understand what a Fist fight is it's two guys standing there two girls standing there and they're trading hands and yada yada if you don't understand the technicality of the sport you can still watch it and be like and just look at it and be like this guy's punching this guy more it can, it can be as simple as that but i think what a lot of people when i hear friends complain about the ufc and how they don't like fighting like i hate when they go to the ground and they just hold each other And it's like, I understand that from a casual fans aspect. It's not very exciting. If you can understand what's trying to be set up and what's going on and like how they got there and how impressive it is that the person is keeping someone down or vice versa. Um, I think that's where uh, Daniel Cormier really shines in the broadcast because he's a a phenomenal wrestler. We all know that. Um, But he sees the little intricacies of stuff like grappling and wrestling and stuff like that that a lot of people can't see. And more often than not, it reminds me of, like, Tony Romo, where he's like, you got to do this and that, and that's what they're going to yes. do. And then, lo and behold, the person does that, and they get a tap out or something like that. So I, I just don't think DC needs to do his homework on some of these fighters. I just don't think that's his role in the broadcast. And um, he's also a fantastic commentator. So I I, I don't know, man. It, it just brings me back to the Keith Peterson shit, too, which didn't make any sense either. Like, it's just the lack of accountability, I think, on Dominic's end. And
1: I think it's an important point to make that they all have different roles in the commentary team, even though they technically don't have different names. Like not Even though John Annick is really the play-by-play guy, they all have the same title as commentator. The UFC is unique in that way, having a three-person setup. But right. to your point, I think we both can agree that John Annick is probably the gold standard of commentating in mixed martial arts, right? And that's yeah. not a hot take at all. He does his homework. You can tell how well-prepared he is. Yeah. But if the UFC broadcast had three John Aniks, it wouldn't work. You can't have that one singular personality. That's why it's good to have that mix of uh, a DC who's more of a goofy guy, but still knows his stuff. And then Joe Rogan, I think, is more of a hybrid of that. So that's why those three together work. With that being said, obviously, you do have to do your homework no matter what your role is in the commentary. And I think Daniel Cormier does that. Does he do less than Rogan and Anik? Maybe. I'll even give you probably. He probably does do a little bit less because he doesn't have to, Exactly to your point. But even regardless of that, I don't understand why Dominic Cruz felt the need to say that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't just... either. I don't understand then, what the point was. And then he was, he was saying like, what, I'm not allowed to have an opinion. It's like, of course you are, but I have opinions that I don't say out in the public because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Like that's right. just, everyone does like why there's no need for you to say that. If you really have that gripe with DC, that's something you talk about in private. And that was, that was Daniel's whole problem with it where he was like, yeah, listen, like you might be right, but I wouldn't say that about you in public. Like he was right. just, that was, that was my one problem with the whole thing is it didn't have to be a public issue, even if it is true. But, um, and then to blame it is, on, like,
0: dehydration and shit, like, come on, man. Just be like, yeah, I shouldn't have said it. I don't know. I think people will respect yeah. that way more if you were just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, true, but it, the dehydration and lack of food
1: probably does play a role into it. No, I, I get it. talk about that all the time. They say things they regret because, you know, the weight cuts so toughly in fight, you're in the worst mood possible. And then people ask you, tough questions it's like uh it's it's a hard dynamic to navigate but yeah man i didn't like that he said that however i do think that dominic as someone who has more of an anik type role where he does a ton of research like Mm -hmm. dominic cruz is very very knowledgeable of the sport it must just be frustrating for his perspective to see a guy like dc whose role is different in the commentary booth and saying man i wish you did as much homework as i do or as john Annick does you know
0: yeah but it's like don't be boring like dc is just an excited like he's a like, uh, he's people want to hear him. Like, he's he's funny, like you said, he's goofy, but he knows what he's talking about. Uh, that's he, the key.
1: He knows what he's talking about. And he's he provides an expert, expert in wrestling, yeah. he's an Olympic wrestler. Yeah, that is exactly. his value to the
0: broadcast, right? So, it's like not the Dominic Cruz. I shouldn't say that he's not boring necessarily, but he's not you're not going to hear a Dominic Cruz freaking out like John, uh, John Annick or Joe Rogan or even DC. It's just like. You've got your role in the broadcast. DC has a different Mm -hmm. role in the broadcast. I don't understand why that's a weird concept to him. Maybe he doesn't realize that. I I don't know. It's just like a whole, like I said, it brings me back to the Keith Peterson incident where it's like everyone else was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he kind of retracts it and then goes back and he's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, well, well, technically what I meant was, and it's like, all right, man. Like, why are you starting the pot? There's no reason. And you guys commentate together sometimes. So I don't understand why you create that rift.
1: Again, it's, it's one of those things where I, I don't know if Dom really considered what a big story it would be. And he yeah. even went back and said, I think that the media blew that out of proportion and that they didn't include the good things that I did say about Daniel. But like, I mean, that's not the story. Like, Is it a story if, if you come out and say, oh, my friend Daniel Cormier is really good on commentary? Or are they going to use the part that we are surprised by and you right. kind of shitting on them, you know. Like that's not taking out of context. You said what you said, and it's on tape. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, and you can have your debate whether that's ethical or not. I personally have my own thoughts about it, but it's it's not a misre- it's not a misrepresentation. It's not fake moods and not any of that stuff. You said that you had that opinion out in the public, and you have to face the consequences of it with your friends. Like this is just what happens right. when you have a public spat like that, and it's it's something that we could have easily avoided. But you know, for some reason, Don felt the need to say it. So who knows? But
0: I think it's know. like a, it, that, it's go ahead, no, go ahead.
1: No, you go ahead. I, I was done.
0: I th- I think it's just like it's the same thing as like we expect him to be like. Yeah, Dom, uh DC's great. I love DC. On the, like everyone expects that answer. It reminds me of like when they interview any sort of athlete, and they're like, "You beat this team. How'd you do it?" And they're like, "Oh, they're a great team." If they came on, they were like, well, we beat them because they suck. Everyone would be like, oh, shit. Like, you're not supposed to say that or whatever. Like, it's right. the same thing. So, I, I don't know. It's just. But if you're behind closed doors, and, you might say that. Right. Exactly. That's fine. You can say whatever the fuck you want when you, there's no cameras on you. Like, who gives a shit? But when everyone's on you and then you just like give them this massive headline and this weird angle that no one expected or would have ever guessed is going on. And it's like, yeah, they're obviously going to run with that. Like, that's yeah. what they're there to do.
1: And it's not mis- it's not mis- misrepresentation. There we right. go. It's not fake news. It's not. <laughs> it didn't stretch it's-
0: any of this truth at all. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, it's it's you know I understand why he's doing it because he's he's kind of doing damage control. And I like Dominic Cruz, but I just don't think that this was the wisest choice of his. But you know, I digress.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I'm rooting for him every time he's fighting. I, I like Dominic Cruz. I just the shit he says. Sometimes I'm like, what? Like, why are you talking? Just just give them the mundane answers and then get out of there. But I guess, like he said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So it is what it is. I don't know. Moving on. And as Darren
1: Till would once say, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. But on the contrary, you don't go around showing everyone your asshole.
0: It's true. That is a very good point. Very creepy, weird thing for Darren Till to say, but not off character. Uh, We're going to move on now to... Another guy who's officially ranked, Sugar Sean O'Malley. Uh, You want to talk about patience? I thought he showed a ton of patience in this knockout. Uh, Going into this, I was a little nervous for him. Holly and Paivo, 21-3, and a legitimate, really good fighter. Uh, And Sean O'Malley, of course, we know how good he is. He's flashy. He likes to talk shit. Uh, I think he dominated that press conference, too. I think he put Cody in a box, and I don't really think Cody had anything creative back to say. Uh, Some guys aren't the best at talking trash. It is what it is. But, like, you want to talk about just nailing the entire weekend? I think Sean O'Malley is the big winner here.
1: I mean, not to the woman who won the main event, no spoilers allowed, but I think (laughs) Sean O'Malley is a significantly large winner in this one. And what stood out to me was the fact that in the post-fight, he said he was 99% sure he was going to pull out of this fight with an injury. And then to put it on Paiva like that, and get that first-round finish was very, very key for him, especially when you consider his last fight with Chris Moutinho. Which, by the way, this take was ridiculous when it happened, but I think it's just an an unintelligent thing to say that Sean O'Malley doesn't have knockout power because he couldn't knock out a guy who was making his UFC debut. That's stupid. We've seen him knock out many high-caliber UFC guys before, albeit unranked, but to say that he does not have knockout power is just ridiculous. That fight just speaks to how tough Chris Moutinho is.
0: Right, and Chris Moutinho was clearly sent from the underworld like it was not a normal person he was fighting there
1: right like if, it, if it's almost anybody else they're getting knocked
0: right. by all those punches you
1: know um and i think sean o'malley silenced a lot of doubters here there's a lot about his knockout power was being made you know not to be something that was a strong suit for him but also people are saying that he was undeserving of all his attention he's unranked he hasn't beat anybody blah 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 and although paivet isn't the best guy it was a huge test for him one of the biggest tests of his career so far now he's ranked, he's gonna fight somebody ranked now next. I almost guarantee it. I don't know for sure. But yeah, this was a statement win for Sean O'Malley to tell people, you know, I've arrived and like you said, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the things that went on the press conference. Not that you know, I just I just didn't think it really worked that much, if I'm being quite honest. I wasn't that overly impressed with it, but mm. to have that back and forth with Cody. And then, did you see what he said after the fight when he used Cody's line against him? He said, "Some people aren't built for this." After Cody got yeah. knocked out, yeah, like I think Sean O'Malley did an excellent job of not only performing but promoting himself, and I think he's in a right. really good spot going
0: forward. I, this is where things start to get tough now for Sean O'Malley. He's ranked number thirteen, so I'll read off who's above him right now. At the thirteen, Sean O'Malley. Then we have Rafael Sanso. Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz, Marlon Moraes, Marlon Vera, Dominic Cruz, Marab, uh, Rob Font, Corey Sanhagen, Jose Aldo, TJ Dillashaw, Piotr Jan, and Aljamain Sterling. I mean, that is a murderer's row of people. And if this is, I mean, any one of these fights is an extremely hard fight for your first ranked, uh, fight in the UFC. Um, I, I'm just looking at it right now I don't know where everyone's scheduled or who's scheduled who's fighting who's not but I mean I mean there's so many fights in this top 15 I mean just I mean yeah I guess you could go top 15 if they're gonna put them against someone lower but um, in this top 12 that are just I mean they make you foam with the mouth they're so good
1: yeah uh real quick the Darren 12 quote that I said earlier he said, uh, the like assholes, everyone's got one, but the part about showing the assholes, he did not say. So, I don't know where I got that part from, but um, just for the record, Daniel Till did not say that last part. Um, I can
0: see him saying it though.
1: I feel like maybe it's not that much of a stretch, you know, it's still but you don't the analogy
0: around showing everything on show your
1: asshole. Yeah, that was a little Scottish, but we'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, what was your question, matchmaking, Sean O'Malley? I don't know.
0: Uh, what is the uh, <laughs> I, I was just talking about how there's so many fights in this top 12 that like are just so exciting for Sean O'Malley but extremely tough tests cuz it's just i mean like you said Bantamweight's probably the best division in the UFC and definitely the best it's ever been I mean hey
1: i this fight was something that they were working on before um, that yeah. didn't go through uh, Sean O'Malley versus Frankie Edgar is a dangerous fight for Frankie but if you really want to test Sean's grappling i think that's the guy you give him next I mean, yeah. Frankie himself wants to keep going. Dana has kind of refuted that after the post-fight presser at UFC 268. He said that he knows Frankie's a competitor. He's a tough kid, but he doesn't know if he should keep going. I tend to think we're going to see Frankie fight once, maybe twice more in the UFC, and that's it. And if that's the case, I think that Sean O'Malley is probably going to be the guy that for him to because they already tried to make that fight before. Um, not only that, but I think Cody Garbrandt is a good fight for Sean O'Malley yep. because – Cody Garbrandt, we're gonna to get to him later, but since he lost this fight at 125, I don't foresee him staying there. If he goes back up to 135, where he is ranked, oh, actually, he's not on the rankings right that now. Right? That's is why there's such a big jump. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a good fight. I mean, it's even though he's not,
0: fight.
1: even though he's not ranked, he's we're still gonna assume that he's maybe top ten or 135. He's at yeah. least on Sean O'Malley's level, right? So, yeah, like. I think that's a good fight, especially with the rift they have between them. And if you're going to consider the fact that maybe Garbrandt is on his way out the door of the UFC, you do not want to miss the window to make this fight happen. I think you've got to make that fight happen next, if anything. But if not, Frank Yeager is also a good option.
0: Um, if this fight happens, they book Which it. fight? The uh, Cody Garbrandt versus Sean O'Malley. Okay. And Sean O'Malley wins that fight. Obviously he fucking skyrockets. I mean, the the sky is truly the limit if that happens. But what happens to Cody? Like, is Cody Gobrand, does he have a place in this bantamweight division? Because it's so good right now. And he just doesn't seem like he can put together a win streak anymore.
1: This is going to be a little bit outside of the box, but I had a similar theory with what Nate Diaz's future may hold. And that changed when news came out today that his contract got extended. We'll get to that as well. But uh, Cody Garbrandt, I think his time in the UFC may be done if he loses again, especially so if, if, you're, if it's by Sean O'Malley's method, it's probably going to be a knockout, which would be yet another knockout loss on his record. Mm-hmm. I don't think the UFC would be willing to hold on to Cody Garbrandt because he's paid too much money to be not that high ranked. Right. Um, I believe that he could go to Showtime and fight on Bellator, but also Cody has... Mm-hmm some aspirations of a, a boxing career, not a long one, but he wants to get some boxing fights in. Yeah. I think he goes to Showtime and fights on Showtime boxing and Bellator, which is what I thought Nate Diaz would be doing. But of course, <coughs> that Jeez. will no longer be possible.
0: Yeah, it, I, well, I guess we kind of veered off course here and that's my fault. But um, with Sean O'Malley, I, it, we were talking about earlier, you mentioned uh, the patience with Dominic Cruz. Uh, I, I the, the thing that sets Sean O'Malley apart, I think is that, We've seen him do the one punch knockout walk off thing, but in this one he had only hurt and then didn't necessarily just go full uh all out throwing everything he's got at him. Right. He, he stepped back, looked for his punch, went delivered it. He didn't like he didn't pull any punches here. He didn't miss he's just like once he's got you in trouble man he's a sniper he just doesn't miss and it's it's unbelievable to watch this kid fight and climb the rankings it seems every time they put a big moment in front of him he just steps right up to the plate and just absolutely crushes it every single time The the one hiccup has been when he got dropped foot and that's it even with the broken leg he's winning fights so it's like he's tough he's got a crazy build for this division um and I, he's another guy, man, that I think is just a nightmare to game plan for. I, I think that there isn't anything that he can't do as far as striking goes. Um, his ground game, we'll have to see what that's like. I, I don't think we've seen that really tested at all in the UFC, except for when he hurt him, hurt his leg and then just, you know, it wasn't really an offensive attack there because he was so hurt. But it, it, as far as striking goes, I, I think he has endless capabilities at striking. I, I really don't think there's anything he can't do.
1: Yeah, the ceiling is definitely very, very high for Sean O'Malley in terms of the striking ability. Like you said, the grappling something that we're going to have to see tested later on because we haven't seen a lot of that. Um, you know, in that fight that he broke his leg, they did have to grapple a little bit. He was pretty good there, but again, not against great competition. And then the Chilo Vera fight, I mean, when his leg was compromised, you kind of got the feeling that the fight was already over. So that's yeah. not really a fair representation. However, he does really well in jujitsu tournaments outside of mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, what we're gonna have to see. I think he's a purple belt, but he performs much better than a purple belt from what I've heard. Um, yeah. Which is just kind of the name of the game in jujitsu. A lot of the belts don't really represent people's skills very well. Um, but, like I said, man, I think I think Sean O'Malley's the the sky is the limit for him. He yeah. really has a unique opportunity in what is, in my opinion, the best division in the UFC to make some serious noise, get fast track for the title. I mean. I don't foresee him having a very good fight with any of these guys in the top five right now, but he's still so young. He's got so much time to develop. And that dynamic striking game, if you can mix all the martial arts together and become a very well-rounded fighter, he gives all those guys a very tough fight. Yeah. And um, I think his personality, coupled with his unique fighting style that's exciting for fans, he, is, he has all the potential in the world to become a massive, massive superstar. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for Sean O'Malley.
0: Yeah, I totally agree i uh, having a little sound issue with my headphones right now, so we're just going to take a quick break. and me fix this, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Uh, problem resolved. Now we're going to talk about... Now we're going to talk about... Um, I don't want to call it an issue, but Cody Gobrand is on his last legs on some thin ice, I think, with the UFC. Uh, I'll give him credit because... We have the Asunsa knockout. Then he loses to Pedro Munoz. Before that, back-to-back losses to TJ Dillashaw. Uh, and then who? Fuck, wasn't there someone else? Was it, no, it was Munoz. Okay, yeah, I got that right. Um, his performances as of recently haven't been great. It's very evident. And we know he had a huge setback with COVID. He was hurt, uh, and it really took a toll on his body. Nothing you can do about that, unfortunately. But he came back, looked great against the Sun Tso, fantastic knockout, Looks very, very fast, and then against Munoz, he just looked lost. Uh, is, no, is it Munoz that he fought before, Fight before Kai? That was Fuck. his
1: fight after. So he, he lost to he TJ twice, and he fought Munoz. Then he, he fought Rob Font. He fought a Sun Tso, beat him, and then lost to Rob Font. Rob Font, okay, fought. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. Uh, against Font, he just looked lost. He just, like, he couldn't seem to get anything oh. together. Um, right.
1: and that was his return from COVID to be clear right
0: and I, yeah. I, like I said I'll give him credit though for being able to still get fights booked uh, he's definitely an exciting personality um, he's got the tattoos he's got the hair he's small he's fast he's violent um, he talks shit he's kind of like a fighter like what fans want to see in a fighter of like this guy who just looks like a UFC fighter um, but doesn't seem to necessarily perform like a UFC fighter anymore uh, I, the first thing that I noticed in this fight was that Kai Cara France looked like a child fighting next to Cody Robert. Uh I didn't realize how small he really was. He is a tiny dude, and I, I, when I when they first started fighting, I was like, "This might be like a real issue for this guy," because Cody looks massive, and Cody's not a big dude, right? right? But Kai Cara France, man, I mean, he hits like a fucking truck. I couldn't believe that. I, I mean, he put Cody on his ass with one punch, and then it was just it was a matter it's just a slow death from there just twisting the knife but i, I i'm just i am more um, saddened for cody and equally as impressed with kai car fronts and I, I, people were asking me before is kai car who is this guy who's fighting cody and then i knew of a couple of his fights i knew he's a legit fighter he's really good i thought i didn't realize the size difference really on paper um i knew there was a significant one but excuse me um I, I i didn't expect the fight to go like this man i really didn't expect it to go like this i didn't realize kai could hit that hard
1: yeah man and for the record this is the fight that i told you guys about had good value on kai france i thought that line was crazy there was that spread out but um kai kai france cashes as the underdog in a first round knockout here And I got to be honest, man, I had my skepticism about Cody moving down to 125 before this fight happened because it seemed to me like his problems at 135 weren't because he was um, outsized or, you know, it was, it was like his successes at 135 were because he was so fast. That was his main advantage. He could surprise people. Maybe he didn't have the best technical boxing, although he is very good at that, but he could surprise people with his speed and, and his timing. When you go down to 125, especially, and that was this was obvious with the fight with Kai Francis as soon as they started getting after it, everyone's fast. So you're giving up your greatest advantage by going down to 125. On top of that, you're doing a very tough weight cut that he said on the weigh-in show. He hasn't been that light since he was a sophomore in high school since he was 16 years old. So that's a massive factor into that fight, and that's why I thought. Kai Car France being that much of an underdog, it's a little crazy to me, given how powerful we know he is, how slick he is, and how talented he is at 125 division. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are writing off Cody Garbrandt right now, and you know, it's it's a tough look for him for sure. I'll give you that, but I think that he's got one or two more chances left in the UFC to prove himself. People are calling for him to be cut right now. I wouldn't go that far. I think he's got one or two more chances because Cody Garbrandt, if he wasn't such a big star, would be cut. But that's the thing; he is, you know, and it's evident because I had a roommate I was watching this fight with, and he loves Cody Garbrand. He's a massive Cody Garbrand fan, even though Cody Garbrand has lost so many times in a row, he'll still watch every time Cody Garbrand fights. There's a ton of guys out there like that. There's a ton of fans who will support Cody Garbrand no matter what. So that's why the UFC is going to keep on him for a little bit, in my opinion. But uh, like I said earlier, I think it's one or two, four, one or one or two more fights max. And if he gets knocked out again, I think that's curtains on his UFC career, which. I don't know, man. I mean, we've, we've seen him perform at such a high level that wasn't that long ago against Dominic Cruz in 2017. Like we, when he puts it all together, he's an unbelievable. He's talent unstoppable. That can be, he can beat anybody in any way class that he's in. But the problem is, is that in his recent fights, he has not lived up to that expectation. You know, um, I've seen a lot of people say that maybe he was just the perfect style to beat Dominic Cruz. And I do think that there's some truth to that because um, his gym had fought Dominic Cruz many times with Uriah Faber and TJ Dillashaw. So he was the main sparring partner in those camps to try and emulate Dominic Cruz's style. He knew him in and out. And I think that's why he took advantage of all those opportunities in that fight. But like I said, I'm, I'm not so convinced that he's that same guy anymore. I don't think he's at that level anymore. He's had a lot of tough battles with his health. A couple with that weight cut, I, I just don't think this was a good idea from the jump for him. But what I will say is that at 135, I think that's his best fit in the UFC. You know, he's some guys prefer to cut weight, some guys prefer not to. He does not cut that much weight at 135, kind of like a Frankie Edgar type technique. When he was at lightweight, he was the lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. I think Cody Garbrandt's best fit is at 135. And although that is a shark tank of killers, he has the potential to be the best of all of them when he's on. That's the keys. He's got to be on. But I'm not convinced that he will ever be the same.
0: Yeah, I won't refute that at all. I, I completely agree that if he is at the top of his game, I he's the best band to weight in the UFC. And I know it's a bold statement, but I mean, we he looked at what he did to Dominic Cruz, he dismantled Dominic Cruz and he did it in embarrassing fashion too. Um, he looks just his head movement was incredible, his his body movement was incredible. He's talking shit. He's literally dancing, his striking was unbelievable, slipping, ripping, everything like that. I mean, that's a guy at the top of his game who has supreme confidence, and I think that is a massive factor in what's happening right now in his career. I think the TJ gloss set him back mentally. Um, He went in there, wanted revenge, uh, fought with his heart, not really with his brain, gets knocked out again, and then goes into the Pedro Munoz fight. They get in a back-and-forth brawl. I think that's more of just, like, shitty punch luck. Like, it's just... If you're going to go in there, you're going to bite the multi guard, you're going to trade and just stand. Well, also a
1: bad decision you're making, too. I mean, we got we to right, be honest. Right, like, that's right. not the no striking
0: coach is going to tell you to do that. Right. If you get caught in a dog dogfight, I, I, it's just, I, I don't know. Yes. No one's going to tell you to do that. That's never a good style. If it starts and also, happening, then like, go ahead. Just, sorry. Sorry to cut hey, you I'm off good.
1: there. But Cody Garbrand, one of the main criticisms is that he's very easy to get into a dog fight. He's very easy to hit. And then all of a sudden, his game plan goes out the window and he just wants to go forward and kill you and just come up for really aggressive. Right. And that's been his downfall in a lot of fights. And that's exactly what happened again. So um, that is one part of his game that it doesn't seem to me that like he's overcome yet. No. Um, although he did look very good against the Sun style. that was probably the the hump that he got over, but no, it, it's clear that he's still got these same technicality problems and he's still got problems with his striking deficiencies defensively that leave him open for some of these shots. But yeah, yeah, man, sorry. Keep going. No,
0: you're good. Um, yeah he just reminds me of like a psycho in a bar fight like he's just like he's just dead set on just hurting somebody really bad but if you get him inside a ring with the guy who's really technical it's it's a massive issue for him uh even though dominic cruz is very technical this is before. i'm talking post tj dillashaw uh the first fight mm-hmm. it, it's as soon as you get in his head and you get him emotional and you start Maybe exposing him a little bit. It's just it turns into a like the mouth guard and just swing and fucking go at it as hard as you can, and it's never worked for him. And he keeps trying to resort back to it, even in the sunset fight. I mean, you wouldn't advise the punch that he threw at the end to knock him out. I mean, it ended up working out, but it's like a total all out sellout punch, leaving your face completely exposed. If a sunset does an uppercut there, we might be looking at a totally different uh, result in that fight. You know, it's so it's. I, I don't want to say that. Uh, he's going to get cut necessarily, but I think that he is, like, one, maybe two Like If his next fight is a war and he loses it by split decision or something.
1: Right. <coughs> Circumstance matters.
0: Right. I think that maybe you can give him another loss, but I, I think overall, one more loss, and I think just his significance in the UFC is gone. Um, I think regardless, is a big enough fan base that you can sell him in a fight no matter how well he's doing? Uh, so it, it, I think you can keep him around for that. I think even myself, I'm not even a huge Cody Gobern fan. I don't dislike him, uh, necessarily. I think that he's one of those guys that talks a lot of shit, but isn't that good? Which is not something I'm a huge fan of. Uh, but like, I, I'm still going to watch him every time he's fighting. If he right, he must see TV. Right, exactly. He, he Like you said, he moves the needle, so. Uh, I think he's still gonna be able to do that no matter how poor his career is going. I think he just has the personality to do it and uh, I don't know man it sucks but' it's, it's a massive credit to Kai Car France too. I mean this is not an easy guy to put away uh, it, it, especially with his size so and he didn't have to take him into that dogfight to do it. And he's just straight boxing and just looking for his mannerisms figuring it out and then bang lights out.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. Cody Garbrandt absolutely cannot get knocked down in the first round again. That would, no. that would without a doubt, have him removed from the, from the promotion. But um, like I said, circumstance matters. He can lose another fight if it's competitive enough and he shows some improvement in some areas. Then, yes, uh, I don't think that would be the end of his career, but he absolutely cannot get knocked down in the first round again. There's no way he can hold a spot on the roster with another performance like that. But no. um, like I said, he's got all the ability to, to put it together. And I guarantee they're bringing up these problems in the gym, too. So it's just a matter of execution now. It's a matter of can he perform on the night, and that remains to be seen. Yep.
0: All right. Now we're getting to the thick of it. We're getting to the real thick of it here, Theo.
1: Here we go. Here we Juliana go. Juliana
0: Pena versus Amanda Nunes for the women's phantom weight title. And Juliana Pena shocked the world. She shocked sure. the world, baby. Not to, you know. Fucking credit to me. Credit to me. I told you to better. Just throw 10 bucks on her. It's worth it. Hope you did. Um, dude, she, this is, I mean, this is another example of a fighter saying what they're going to do and then going in there and doing exactly what they said they were going to do and it working mm-hmm. exactly how they wanted it to work. This is fucking phenomenal. She said she's going to go in there. She's going to put pressure on her. Amanda's going to gas out and then she's going to take the belt from her. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened.
1: She manifested it, man. And you right. tweeted it out. You said don't make me believe Juliana when you saw the, the clip of her at the press conference saying exactly what she was going to do. It just felt man. real. Yeah. It, it's that's what we were talking about. We said when the fighter themselves believes, it's obvious and it makes the fans want to believe, regardless of anything else outside of that. It was easy to believe in Juliana Payne, even though the odds may have said something else. And even though we were both go- we were both very willing to admit that a manus is probably better than her than every single area of the fight. But oh, man, when you have that self-belief, it really does make a difference. It's inspiring. It's, it's inspiring.
0: Right. I, I watched a video uh, kind of recently, totally unrelated to the uh, a UFC. It was just, uh, I, for those of you who don't know who Jocko Willink is, he's a Navy SEAL. He was on, he's been on Rogan a bunch of times. I was just watching some video about him talking. But he brought up a point that I thought totally related to this. Uh, it was a video of a gunfight in a movie or something like that and these guys are running into the gunfight and he's like it doesn't make any sense but in war if you want to survive this is what you have to do you have to run forward and you have to just keep moving forward and that's how you're going to survive a lot of people want to stay where they are or they want to move backwards and retreat and you have to push forward or else you're gonna get killed and i thought that's exactly that i thought it related perfectly to this fight juliana pena marched through the strikes kept pushing for because she knew if she stopped and stayed still or she retreated in any way, Amanda was, was going to win that fight. She stayed right in her face the whole time. She was jabbing her leg crazy and exactly what she said happened was going to happen, happened. it completely gassed out by the end of the second round. I mean, it wasn't even competitive. She was throwing punches. She was missing. Her guard was low. She was getting hit with a ton of shots. And then once it went to the cage or to the clinch, I should say, um, that's when I started, I was like, well, Before that even, just watching I was like, Juliana Pena's kind of landed some shots here. And then it just kept building and building and building. And I was like, she's really hitting her. Like, I was like, Juliana Pena is actually like, she's overwhelming Amanda Nunes right now. And once you see like Amanda take the deep breath, take a step back, I think there was one part right before they went to the clinch where she's doing overhand right or left that was just like weak and slow. And I was like, oh my God, she's got Amanda in like real trouble here. Goes to the ground, jumps on her back, cinches in the uh, rear naked choke. And it looked like it wasn't quite under the chin or under the, yeah, it like it wasn't on the neck. It was more like on her chin. So like, this looks uncomfortable, but I don't know if she's going to tap. And then as I'm saying, it, Amanda's tapping out and the whole place fucking, of course, goes bananas. But I mean, credit to Juliana Pena. And even, even after she beat her, she wasn't even like emotional or anything. She just was like, yeah, shocked. I knew it was going to happen. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, she's a stone cold killer. That was insane. Yeah, it seemed like,
1: the moment as soon as she got up, there wasn't an immediate reaction. She was kind of just like need a minute to process it. But then afterwards you saw that confidence come out that, yeah, like I told you this exactly was going to happen. I told you, she looked over at the commentary team and said that too, which was, I mean, there were so many moments that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives in this kind of fight. It was legendary. We said it, we said if Juliana Pena can pull off this upset, it will be one of the most memorable moments in the history of mixed martial arts. And that's exactly what it was. It was I've said it before, but it's inspiring. It's so inspiring to see someone call their shot, manifest it, go after their dreams, and realize them when nobody nobody was picking them. I know you said that you bet her, but we kind of alluded to the fact that we're not going to really pick her as a serious – like you may as well just bet on her for the value of it. But, man, none of the experts picked her for this fight. None of them did. And to see her overcome the adversity of getting dropped in the first round still sticking the game plan like you said by the way great analogy with the navy stuff that was great um the uh her her willingness to still stay in her face on the feet and still be aggressive even though she had faced adversity and been dropped earlier in the fight man that is what being a fighter is you know teddy Atlas says this all the time he says there is not a fight until there is resistance to be met and juliana pena mm-hmm. met her resistance and she broke through it and she she realized her dream man it's It's incredible to see happen, Um, especially the way that happened, too. Like, I think Juliana Pena by finish was plus 3,500. Yeah. Insane. Um, This was
0: not a um, back and forth, ooh, I think she might have pulled it off. I mean, this was taking it to the champ and just showing the champ who's boss.
1: There is a very sudden switch in the momentum of this fight where it felt like Mm -hmm. Amanda was controlling it. You know, not overly dominant, but, yeah, we we know how this one's going to end. And then all of a sudden, she lands not just one, two – a couple of combinations that really yeah. tag Amanda. And you see that mana gets very uh, tired. Like really she was like, whoa. Yeah, she was like, I did not expect that. And it seemed like, in my opinion, it became a bit of an ego fight where Amanda got tagged. And similar to the problem that Cody Garbrandt's had in his career, she said, you know what? I hit harder than you. I know I do. And I'm going to stay here and make a point and trade with you. And it did not go her way. And as soon as Juliana landed clean a couple of times, and as soon as Amanda got tired, the end was near and it was – insane it was insane i couldn't believe it and i texted you right after it happened i was like how am i supposed to stomach a main event after this i still right. i'm not processing this i'm not i'm having right. an existential crisis right now i can't believe I just watch that happen mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of the great all-time moments in sports in my opinion
0: and yeah it's 100 percent one of the greatest moments in ufc history and mixed martial arts history in general um definitely it's something i'll never forget ever i couldn't believe what i was watching when i was watching it uh i remember talking to like some of my buddies they're big into betting more so than they actually are into the fights. And I wasn't telling anybody to bet Juliana Pena. I mean, I just, like I said, throw 20 bucks on her just because, but it, even that goes to show like she's worth just throwing 20 bucks on her. Cause it's like the payout would be fucking crazy. Right. And um, <clears throat> I was like, yeah. Fuck. And like of all the people that Amanda Nunes has fought, like we see it at the same time, every, every time it's just like, yeah, they're putting someone in front of her. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe she can get lucky. But with this one, I was like, of all the people she has fought so far since she's become champion, this girl right here, I really believe has, like, the strongest chance to beat her. Like, And I don't even know why. Like, she just has completely convinced me that, like, her level of confidence and coming with the receipts of, like, saying Amanda wouldn't fight her and then then kind of being somewhat true. I don't know if it was 100% true, but yada, yada. Just not being afraid of Amanda, uh, not being like, oh, I'm really excited to, like, for this opportunity she was like fuck that i'm coming i'm taking your belt that's what's gonna happen uh it's just like oh my god like she just she embodies what it means to like fight through adversity and pull off something that nobody thinks you can do um now with all that being said i can totally just spoil this moment right here because i think amanda they rematch i think amanda takes the belt right back but uh even if that is what happens it's like we always have this moment of just insanity and like why we love mma
1: this is exactly why I love MMA, because anything can happen. And this is why I always tell people, do not bet on MMA, because things like this happen. Right. Um, and like you said, I woke up, and Chael Sonnen said this first. Um, he said he woke up before the fight thinking that Emmanuel is the best fighter of all time, the best currently at 135, and he woke up the next day after the fight thinking the same thing. I agree with that sentiment. I still don't believe that Julianna Pena is better than Amanda Nunes in any specific area of mixed martial arts. Albeit, she did outstrike her in this one, and Amanda's striking did look a little bit sloppy. But we've seen Amanda go toe-to-toe with the likes of Chris Cyborg, uh, Ronda Rousey, Holly Holm, like these massive, Valentina massive...
0: Valentina Shevchenko.
1: Valentina Shevchenko twice, twice she went against her like that. And she had a close fight with Valentina the second time. Right. A lot of people think that Valentina won that fight, but that just goes to show that Amanda Nunes is not a quitter. Amanda Nunes is not someone who just gives up when it gets tough. So the fact that this happened with Juliana Pena is even more bananas. So uh, I think it's hard. I, I hate speculating because I don't know anything, and I hate when people just assume things. But I think it's important to at least acknowledge the possibility that Amanda Nunes may not have trained as hard for this fight. There was rumors that she wasn't training nearly as hard as she had before. Um I don't know how true or how credible those rumors are, right. but it's hard not to say maybe that might be the case when you see how quickly she gassed out and obviously taking punishment like the way she was, that is going to take out your gas tank more than people realize. But she just looked off; like her striking did not look nearly as good as it usually does. No, and i I think that in a rematch, I, I have to favor Manny Nunes. I mean, you have oh, to. even you still have to you know, bet a Amanda Nunes, right? And it's It's not that Juliana Pena did not earn this win. It's not that she wasn't better on the night because she was. She was better on the night. And that's all you need to win a fight in the UFC. You don't have to be the better fighter. The better fighter often does not win. It is whoever is better on the night who is able to compose himself better, who is able to perform on the given night. And on Saturday night, that was Juliana Pena. If I have to bet 364 nights out of 365, Nunez beats her. Right. This was the one night that was not the case. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Juliana Peña because like, no. we, we've been getting her hair of flowers this whole time, but I really think that Amanda Nunez gets this rematch immediately. And I tweeted out, if anyone deserves an immediate rematch in the UFC,
0: it's Amanda the greatest Nunez. greatest
1: Exactly. So they'll run this back, and Amanda has called for it. Juliana has called for it. They're going to run it back, and I am once again picking Amanda Nunez.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if Amanda opens as a minus 500 still. It wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: True. I'm very curious to see what the, the line's going to be because I'm curious to see what kind of odds Vegas would be willing to give. Uh, I think Julian Pena is probably going to be um, that much closer to even money, but I think they're going to keep Amanda's heavy favor like they did in the first one. Um, but, man, that's that fight, that rematch, is one of the mm-hmm. biggest in the history of the UFC. That's the biggest banaway fight since uh, Nunez took down Ronda Rousey. So,
0: right, and finally, finally a good Amanda Nunez fight.
1: Exactly, this is exactly what we wanted. What we were talking about before this fight was that people don't really watch Manny Nunez fight as much because there's no curiosity, there's no imagination of oh, I wonder how this matchup goes. Because we all know what the end of the story is. We did not see this one coming, and that's why the rematch is an even bigger fight. The I, I mean, breaking down that fight is going to be fantastic, and I can't <laughs> wait for it. But that fight is huge, that rematch is massive.
0: I'm curious too. Um, if I, I'm not sure if this is possible, but I wonder if there's a way to see when people are turning into these fights uh, at what point in the pay-per-view, I'm sure there's maybe some way to do it, but I'd be very curious to see what the views were on this one compared to all of uh, her previous fights, because if there's anything significantly increased in viewership, it's gotta be all on Juliana Pena because she sold the shit out of this fight.
1: Right. She did. Um, Those metrics are not available to the public, but the UFC has uh, access to those. So unfortunately we won't ever get a straight answer on that unless they tell us something about it, but, yeah, the, those right. That data does exist, and I'm sure Daniel and, will tell um, us
0: there was four million people watching or something.
1: Right, he'll he'll, he'll let us know. Yeah,
0: right. Um. Yeah, it's just fucking unbelievable. What a moment, man! It's just it's exactly why you we love MMA. It was it was just phenomenal. It's like one of those like I said, one of those moments you'll never forget. You'll never forget. When Absolutely MMA was dethroned.
1: Yeah, you're going to remember. It's one of those, remember where you were when a man was lost, kept things. Yeah,
0: I can still replay it in my head a thousand times. Like, exactly what I was doing, exactly what I was saying. I was fucking losing my mind.
1: Um,
0: Now let's move on. Main event. Huge fight. Like I said, I mean, even just talking about that fight I'm like, oh my God, now we got to talk about the main event. Uh, The (laughs) main event, Charles Oliveira versus Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title. Boy, oh boy. Theo is Dustin Poirier the most talented gatekeeper in UFC history. Oh,
1: I, I hate this. I hate this take so much I know. because <laughs> listen, Dustin Poirier is not a worse fighter than he was before this fight happened. People are trying to say that Justin Poirier is overrated and he was, you know, hyped up because he beat Connor twice and all these things. Dustin Poirier's skills today are as legit as they were before this fight happened. It is no shame to get submitted by uh, Charles Oliveira, especially if you consider the fact that Oliver has the most submissions in UFC history. And this is just, you know, if he was going to win this fight, this would be the result. And this was supposed to be a close fight anyway. So the fact that people are coming out here with the notion that Poirier is overrated is flat out ridiculous to me, you know, like did anyone say that he was overrated when he got choked up versus Habib? No. And it's because that was kind of an expected result. If Charles Overe was going to win this fight and a lot of people gave him a really good chance to, it was going to be by this method. So this, this is something that I, I, I cannot even give attention to, John.
0: Well, yeah. No, I totally understand what you're saying. I think the problem is Dustin Poirier opens as the favorite against the champion and then gets submitted. Right. So it's like people can just look at that who have no idea what's going on and just be like, what the fuck? This guy was supposed to win. Why didn't he win? Um, yeah, like you said, there's no shame in getting submitted by the guy with the most submission wins in UFC history. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I saw an impressive stat too. I think it was 2010 to 2017, Charles Oliveira was 10 and 8. And then 2018 to 2021, he's 10 and 0. Yes. Yeah. Like that's fucking insane. I'm like, it just goes to show that, like, at any point, someone could just turn their career around. And, like, you see these guys, who you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Oh, yeah, I saw him fight before. And then next thing you know, he's a fucking champion. It's unbelievable. Um, as far as Dustin goes, I, I don't like, it sucks, man. It really fucking sucks. Uh, I'm a huge Dustin fan. I, I always have been. Uh, I know people think that I just want Connor McGregor to die. Uh, that's not the case. I'm just over him. Uh, and then on top of that now, it's like I'm a huge Dustin fan just because I don't like Connor. I've always been a Dustin Poirier fan. Uh, I've always just liked him as a person. I, I, I tweeted this out too. I, if you don't like Dustin Poirier, you're a piece of shit. You're a fucking idiot. He's the coolest dude. Like, he's so generous. He's so nice. Like, you don't have to like how he fights or anything like that, or like his post press conference. All that. But he's just such a genuinely like nice person, and he's so easy to root for. Um, and it just it sucks. To see, <clears throat> excuse me. It sucks to get, see him get so close so many times and like just not be able to get over the hump. Uh, but it, it, I mean, he's not going to be going anywhere. He'll, he's still right in the mix. Uh, I think you have. We have Justin engaged more than likely up next for the title. I know Connor thinks that he's fighting Oliveira again. This is why I can't stand Connor anymore. I don't know what in his fucking brain makes him think that that's the fight they're going to give him as the comeback fight when Justin Gaethje is very clearly the number one contender who's been waiting for this fight. Um, but yeah, uh, Dustin, I think it's got to be Connor, right? If not, if Connor doesn't fight Nate, I think it's that's got to be the next fight for him.
1: I mean, I've seen people throw around the uh, idea of Michael Chandler. Um, That would be a great fight. fight. I think both of them need a lot of time off. But, um, I mean, just think about Dustin Poirier went from, in January of this year, fighting Conor McGregor for the rematch. That was a redemption fight. There was a huge amount of pressure on him. And then in the third fight, I would argue maybe even more pressure because there's so much more eyeballs. The fight was massive. You know, Connor's mentality was different, so there's even another layer for him to deal with. Um, you know, that's another massive, massive emotional uh, task to take on. And then at the end of the year, he finally gets his redemption at the UFC title, and he's favored. Everyone's cheering him on. This is kind of a, a unique situation for Dustin where he's not really the guy that they build the card around, but in this case he was. It's a lot to deal with in one year, especially yeah. with coming out of the fact that, you know, We're coming out of the end of the pandemic now. The world is changing so much. There's a lot on Dustin Poirier's plate right now that he did not have at the start of the year. I think that he even alluded to it. He said, I don't know if I have it in me to make another huge run of the title. Like, that's a lot of work, you know. Not that he can't get back there, but it's mentally taxing to go through all these massive fights back to back to back. So I would like to see Dustin take some time off. Not that I think that his skills would benefit from it, but I think mind-wise relax you know you just yeah. brought in the most money you've ever had in one year you've done that's your family fine. proud you've fought extremely well you beat the number one on the sport twice back to back and you had a tough loss again in a title fight like take it easy on yourself take some time off regroup enjoy time with your family enjoy the holidays and right. then get back to work that's why i think him versus michael chandler will make sense <clears throat> because michael chandler needs time off to heal from his injuries from justin gaethje So I think their timelines match up pretty well. But if you want to talk about Dustin going to 170, I Mm. don't foresee, I do not foresee that going his way. Not that Dustin isn't big for lightweight, but that 15 pound jump is a lot. I think Dustin would be perfect for a 165 division. I think a lot of guys at 155 would, but matchup wise to the top five, I think those are all really, really tough fights. And I don't see him doing very well in a lot of them, you know, not to count him out or anything, because obviously he surprised us before, and he has got undeniable ability. But I don't think 170 is the answer to his problems. Much like I didn't think that 125 was the answer to Cody Garbrandt's problems. You know, the deficiencies aren't going to be changed by a jump in weight. You know, um, you have to address what the actual problems are in the gym. Um, that's just my opinion. But even still, nothing to be ashamed of in this fight because uh, Dustin Poirier dropped Charles Oliveira early yeah. on. It looked like he was controlling the fight until. That second round was massive for Oliveira when he laid on top of him the whole time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought it was a 10, eight. I disagree with that, but yeah,
0: again, there was an argument, for,
1: but... yeah, there's an argument there for it, but I would probably lean more towards a 10, yeah. nine. Um, I didn't think that Oliveira did enough damage, but you know, that's yeah, just I, yeah, I thought the same thing. something about assholes anyway. Um, <laughs> he, uh, and then, you know, Charles Oliveira just took over. He had the momentum at that point. Um, I think Dustin Poirier and Charles Rivera, if they fight 10 times, I really do think it's split five and five. You know, that was an area a lot of people have coming in, and I think that's still true today. Um, Yeah, really, he has a lot of directions he can go, and he can fight Conor again. Like you said, I do like the Michael Chandler fight. Um, Benil DeRuysh and Islam are fighting in February. Mm -hmm. Maybe he takes the loser of that fight. You know, there's a lot of different directions Dustin can go, and um, I think he's due for another couple good wins.
0: Yeah, I agree, too. I think he's still got a lot of promise left in his career. Um but I want to talk about Charles Oliveira too. I mean, it's, it's so much credit to him. You saw him get hurt. I mean, just back to back. He was hurt against Michael Chandler. Um, comes back, ends up knocking him out. Same thing here. He's hurt bad against Dustin. Ends up getting uh, a fantastic standing uh, Ranaque choke. And then he's just like he really, dude. He's starting to like, in my opinion, epitomize what it means to be a true champion. I'm, I'm getting shades of Kamara Usman even.
1: What do you mean by that?
0: Like, just the mental wherewithal to not get thrown off your game. Uh, you go into mm. the cage. I guess we haven't seen out in a ton of trouble. i think thinking more of, like, the Gilbert Burns fight. You see him get rocked. He's fucking settles in, goes back to his striking. Um, Oliver's striking really surprised me, man. I, I did not expect it to be as good as it was in the Chandler fight. I did not expect it to be even better here in the Poirier fight. Um, and it just shows when he had him, uh for that ground control i think there was a fight uh some statistic i think in horier's last two title fights it was like he was getting controlled for like 16 minutes combined or something like that something something similar so i can't remember exactly when
1: you fight habib and oliver back back in
0: title fights you know yeah and um I don't know. There was a weird moment in the second round when Dustin seemed like he could have got up and decided to roll and take the fight to the ground. Uh, I didn't really understand why he did that. I have to go back and watch it. I'm kind of an oblique memory of it, but I I don't, I mean, Charles Oliveira, man, he just looks like a, I mean, he's coming into form as a true champion. And now I'm looking at it like, I thought Islam was going to run through this division and go straight to that belt. Uh, And now I'm not so confident in that.
1: That's another big thing that people have been talking about that, you know, a lot of people were just kind of assuming that Islam Mahachev would get his shot at the title and then kind of just be at the top and no one will be able to take it away from him. That opinion has changed a lot as a result of this fight. And I love that because it's true. Olivera is still a guy that you can't count out in any situation, especially against a guy who's willing to grapple with him. A couple things. First of all, the sequence you're talking about where Poirier uh, decides to engage in the ground where he mm-hmm. could have gotten up. Uh, Luke Thomas was doing a review of this and he said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me, but um, Oliver was threatening to, I think, take his back at the same time, or he was threatening to, I I don't know, something about like getting his hooks in. I don't remember exactly what Luke said, but it was actually the right choice if you're a pure jujitsu player to roll into that position. Um, So that kind of explains why Corey did that. And I think he even said as much in the post fight, but um, I think also, You mentioned that Olivera's striking was very impressive in this fight. There's that word again. Mm -hmm. I think that what was most impressive, there we go again, was that he (laughs) was able to mix up his strikes against Poirier, whereas Poirier could not do the same. I think Poirier is, of course, a great kicker. I mean, just go look at the rematch with Conor, how he neutralized him with those calf kicks. But Poirier's main weapons are his hands. He's an extremely good southpaw boxer. His straights are very good, and his hooks are where the power is at. When he gets people against the fence and he throws a million in a row, that's what it's at for Poirier. Where Charles Oliveira was able to take advantage of that is like we told you before in the breakdown. Charles Oliveira has a much, much more vast kicking repertoire than Dustin Poirier. He has the ability to mix it up more, and he has the ability to, um, I guess, keep Dustin Poirier away from him with those kicks to the body, kicks to the head. Um, And even the leg kicks as well were were impressive to me. And I think another key factor of this fight was that Dustin Poirier became a bit of a headhunter. Again, Luke Thomas said something to the uh, the degree of he hit the head 98% of the time he threw a strike, whereas he did not touch the body a lot. That has been a key to Dustin Poirier's success is his body work a lot. but it just didn't. It just didn't come through in this fight. Maybe he saw something in the matchup with Oliveira to deter him from doing that. I'm not sure, but mm. you know, Oliveira, I think executed his game plan perfectly. He was very patient, um, and even when it was tough to get him to the ground, he found a way around that by having a standing backpack of rear naked choke. Right. And um, <clears throat> just an incredible performance by Oliveira. So good, and I think it's important at this time of his career where a lot of people were calling him an illegitimate champion because he beat Michael Chandler, who had just come over from Bellator. And, you know, Habib had just retired, who was, you know, a very dominant champion, the best lightweight who's ever done it. So people had their opinions about Oliveira. This performance was essential to getting respect that he deserves. And like you said, him versus Islam Makhachev, that's not a foregone conclusion anymore. People are more willing the, to accept uh, the fact that...
0: The poor man's Tony Khabib.
1: It is but is it the poor man's money? he could be? Because I feel like Olivera oh, is at
0: a level higher than Tony Ferguson was, you know? Yeah, I, I just don't think um, Islam is where Khabib is.
1: Right, and I also agree with that. But I'm saying it's not a bad substitute. No, it's, it's not, not no, a bad substitute. I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, um, that fight I think is inevitable, although a very tough test is in front of Islam Mahachev and Benil Darius, who I have been telling people is very underrated and very well-rounded, and it's a tough test form. But assuming that Islam gets past him, Islam Mahachev versus Charles Oliveira would be a massive fight. Now, of course, now that I say it out loud, I'm recalling Justin Gaethje gets the next shot of the title. So he's got to go through mm-hmm. him first. But he's opening up as a favorite against Justin Gaethje right now, which is very early odds, of yep. course. But, man, that's
0: another Well, you seem to be forgetting, too, fight. that Conor already tweeted that he's going to be fighting Charles Oliveira.
1: Oh, I forgot. Yeah, Charles said they're going to fight this weekend at the oh, UFC number right.
0: 45. So, of course, right. you know.
1: Um, gonna talk about but, that? <laughs> but anyways, um, while we're talking on the subject of Justin Gaethje, mm-hmm. I think it's particularly damning um, that Justin Gaethje does not have, allegedly, a very good defensive jiu-jitsu game.
0: I tweeted um, it the second the fight was over. What'd you say? I said, uh, all of Taps Gaethje, too.
1: I think he does, because we've heard reports and rumors, and again, nothing's confirmed, but on ju- allegedly... Justin Gaethje does not practice a lot of jujitsu. He doesn't roll very much. A lot of his work has been striking. Um, and that kind of explains why maybe in the Habib fight, he didn't make a lot of good choices on the ground. But, of course, it's hard to look good on the ground against Habib. Um, that's another great fight. I think Oliveira versus Gaethje is a very good fight, but I oh, will have great. to favor Olivera again.
0: I would, too. It's hard not to roll with him right now, man. I mean, it's, exactly. He's, he's just on fire. He's cooking. Um, and, again, but-
1: recency bias aside, yeah. It's going to be a great fight because we could see another repeat of Chandler versus Gaethje where maybe Gaethje goads Charles Oliveira into a firefight. Maybe he hurts him so much that his grappling isn't as good. And then we see Oliveira really get tested in the fourth and fifth round, which again, we didn't get to see in this fight, although his cardio did look good regardless. Justin Gaethje is a great matchup for Oliveira the more I think about it.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm curious, just a little side note. When uh, Charles Oliveira locks in that backpack guillotine or rare uh, naked choke i'm curious i don't know why i know it's a ridiculous kind of desperation thing but i don't know why justin doesn't or dustin doesn't jump up and try to like land on you know what i'm saying like it's the title well, fight man like you gotta just right. sell out I, I i personally i understand it's a very unorthodox move or whatever i was just surprised that he didn't try to do anything like that
1: the answer is is that dustin poirier does more homework than daniel cormier because in the last oh. fight uh charles Oliveira and uh, had a similar situation with I do Michael Chandler. That. I do recall that. And when Michael Chandler flew back the way you're suggesting, all that happened was Charles Oliveira got his choke in deeper. The hooks got in deeper. He got in the neck deeper. And against Charles Oliveira, that is the last guy you want to be in that position against. So Dustin right. made the smart choice. As a guy who's also good at jiu-jitsu, he thought he could fight that choke off standing. It just didn't work out for him this time. I think he made the right choice in my opinion. But again, I'm no expert at jujitsu. jitsu mm.
0: Yeah, all right. that's a fair answer, I suppose um All right, that's going to wrap on two sixty nine. Do we have anything else we want to address? I'm trying to think.
1: Oh, I have a oh for two sixty nine.
0: Yeah. No, I think we I think we covered it all. What about oh? What about this? Kayla Harrison was in the crowd. <sighs> yeah, she was. She and everyone was. was like she turned around when Amanda lost, and I was like, so did Gaethje. They were looking at the jumbotron. Yeah, but Kayla Harrison was screaming
1: "fuck" over and over again on that yeah. same video. So, um, and of course, Dana also said in the post I fight was internally
0: that, uh, saying that too.
1: <laughs> Dana said that had Nunez won, her versus Kayla Harrison would have been a massive fight. It would have been um, gigantic, dude. Right. And they are still talking to Kayla Harrison. Still um, is, for the record. It still is. It still is, but it takes a lot of momentum out of it, right? It changes yeah, a lot. It totally changes um, it,
0: but still a good fight.
1: Right. They're still talking Kayla Harrison, so who knows if those actually come to fruition? She signs with the UFC, but I'd love to see her now. Um, yeah, I mean, that 145, huge, I guess, man. Yeah, it's huge. It is huge, but 145 in the women's division, the UFC is particularly shallow, uh, and by that I mean there's literally it's no one on the is. rankings. <laughs> yeah, so they could use someone in that division, and she is the perfect person to bring in. Especially if, and I don't hate this either, if Amanda news decides to leave. Just have Kayla Harrison be the new Amanda Nunez of the one hundred and forty five division. You know, like oh, she could fill that role. That'd be awesome. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that fight's. I mean, that loss is just massive because now you lose a lot of like the oomph to it. Uh, and I think it significantly changes the the UFC is going to have to really pull out the checkbook. I think to try to compete with these other guys because it's like the draw I do of once a piece Kayla Harrison being undefeated and and Nunez being an undefeated champion, and then those two colliding in that sense is a much bigger draw than being like we just saw Mana Nunes get beat, and now she's fighting this girl's undefeated. Because it's like the before, it's like it looks like nobody could beat her, and now right, somebody, it's clearly she can be beat. So I don't know. I, I mean, I we'll see that,
1: how the rematch yeah. goes. I mean, we'll that could see. change a lot of things depending on what happens, but yeah. also. Important to note that their teammates at ATT, so that's another the story that makes that fight even bigger. So, yeah, mm. unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see that one. Um, so far as you know, what we believe, I mean, uh, anything can happen, but it seems like we're not going to get that one. Yeah. But, uh, hey, crazy things have happened like yeah. in the coming events, crazy shit happened,
0: right? Um, all right, I think that's going to wrap it on 269. Uh, we do have a fantasy fight, and I'm taking a look as we speak at this upcoming card for uh a bet um anyways theo you have a fantasy fight for this week do, john
1: and i'm breaking the rules on this one so i need you to stick oh, with me okay son of a bitch. no you're gonna love this okay. ufc 268 live from madison square Garden. the main event is the pound for pound best fighter in the world one of the greatest of all time kamaru usman mm-hmm. an hour before the main event starts Colby Covington pulls out from the fight. Oh god. And they look into the crowd for an emergency fighter and they see John Cox standing there holding <laughs> his eighth beer of the night, which is going to cost them over a thousand dollars at MSG. Right. right. You go backstage, you're getting ready to go walk out to face to fate to, <clears throat> to face the number one brown fire in the world. Me? I wanna know. You, you oh, are. Fuck. Okay. And I wanna know. Of course you're going to lose. But if there's a small chance that you can somehow pull off this victory, being a person with no amateur fights, no professional fights, very little training experience compared to Kamaru Usman, I want to know what is is your walkout song at MSG and how do you take on that task?
0: Okay. Well, walkout song is I'm easy. Putting the First
1: of all, I'm putting the fantasy in fantasy fights. I mean, yeah, this is no a fantasy shit.
0: fight. This is a fantasy. And <laughs> I'm also hammered, evidently. So this is even tougher. <laughs> you can be um, sober if you want. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. I would never do I don't this. think it changes your chances a lot, if I'm being honest. No way I would ever do this sober. So, um, <laughs> Okay. Well, the walkout song is easy. Won't back down, Tom Petty. That is easy. Um, so you're going to steal Chris Wyman's from I'm going to 100% steal Chris Wyman's. 100%. I and would, you're in New York, so they'll probably like it. Okay. Right. I'm and I DM Chris Wyman. Like, you mind if I do this and he would say yes? Um. <laughs> it Oh, it's okay. It'd be either that or Fight for Your Right, my Beastie Boys. So at least get the That's Christmas a good team. one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How do I attack tomorrow? It was Okay, well, is it me how I am right now? Because I'm like 225 yes, right now. Yes, right now. Okay. Um... I probably just knock him out. I think that's how I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me think. Oh boy, how do you take on Kumar? Well, like I said, I have very minimal training. What I did notice in my very minimal jujitsu training is that I was able to like stay alive with most people, uh, and not like if I went on the offensive, I would usually get tapped because I didn't quite know how to transition that well, and I didn't really know where I was making my mistakes. But like if someone had my back, I was Pretty good at like just being uncomfortable but not getting actual air restriction. Okay. Um, I well, there's no way I can win, so I'm trying to think of like more so how do I survive?
1: That's not the task. How are you going to play the biggest upset in the history of sports? (laughs)
0: Literally, in the history of sport in the history of, oh man, I guess. Because he hits so hard, so I part of you wants to say you just bite the mouth guard. You're like, come on, like fucking, I just can't wear it. him out. That's not gonna happen. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I I don't see a way that I could do it. But let me let me really give it some thought here. I'd have to think like, I you know what I'd have to do. You know what I'd have to do, honestly. What would you do? I don't even know if this is legal. I'd have to just pick him up at the waist and just powerball him. I think because I could pick uh, him up for sure, and I don't think it's think? legal. But yeah, I could I could get one seventy up over my shoulder.
1: Yeah, but I, picking up one hundred seventy pounds is different than a hundred seventy pound man who knows how to wrestle.
0: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if I can just get him up onto my shoulders, it's. I not mean, much. we're this is
1: this is fantasy, so yeah, sure.
0: Right. That's still this is the only way I'm thinking. It's <laughs> I, you can't like pride powerball. So I gotta think like. Oh, man. Yeah, I think I'd have to... This is what I'd do. I would shoot for the waist, like... And then, if I got the waist, I would let him... I would actually let him lock in the one arm guillotine. And then I would, like, go up and just fall forward. So, try to make it not look like a powerbomb. And then just, like, hope I knock him out that way, I guess. I don't really... I don't know. I don't... why the fuck do you want me to be Kamaru Uzman? I don't know, dude. I've never fought not, any I've fought like two people in my life and I lost one of them.
1: I'm not saying that's the right answer. I just think it's funny that you're it's that you're going into this detail. I think it's I, good.
0: I, <laughs> oh dude. Um yeah, that's like the only thing I could think. Or maybe just like question mark kick. I have a pretty good question mark kick. I'm not too bad. That would there. be something. I'm you're not too bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I've got the long spindly legs. I can definitely well, the, the, well, I should say, yeah, UFC fighters probably see it coming. It's more so like my buddies never see it coming. So it's just fun to do it. To them. Right. But not actually kick them in the head, but just fake it. Um, Yeah, that's the only thing I could think is like up against the cage, let him come to me, go for like a Pettis knockout, I guess, or something. Some sort of like <laughs> off the cage shit. Or like yeah. just in case you backflip off the cage onto him or something. I, I really don't. I, yeah so I got I think the first thing I said just try to somehow legally power bomb him and just see if he hits his head hard enough that I knock him off
1: I don't hate it I don't hate it I mean yeah you're getting a tough task I so I hate it, it <laughs> I, I, I hate that situation. I would never ever want to be there but uh yeah that's a, I don't hate your answer. that's good.
0: <laughs> oh yeah that was a very interesting one. Uh, yeah. that was about as fancy as fantasy gets.
1: I think if I was, well, my walkout would be um, Shook Ones Part Two by Mob Deep if we're in New York, because, wow. you know, that's a great you're song. Really right? <laughs> I mean, I am, but I just love that song.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a, great, a great song.
1: And to be honest, if you're in New York, right? And you're in, you're, if, you, if you're you, no one in the crowd knows who the hell you are, you kind of got to pander. So.
0: Yeah, that's why I do Fight for Your Right. Or, yeah, right, exactly. Because people just or, like, you know, love screaming that song.
1: Yeah, exactly. Another one that I'm thinking of now if you're really trying to pander is um I love rock and roll, just like everyone would be yeah. singing that, it's an easy song everyone else right, words right, to. Right.
0: Yes, exactly. Hmm. We are the do so
1: something. Yeah. So how would how would I tackle the task of trying to be Kamar Usman? Um hmm. I mean, there's no real like non-ridiculous answer because right. it's just such a, it's a, it's a dumb scenario. Um I think. Well, I, I feel like I gotta do it quick because I'm not gonna outlast him, like you said. I'm not gonna be able to out wrestle him. I'm not gonna be able to strike him at all. He's gonna hit mm. way harder than me. He literally is better than me in every single area by like an unthinkable margin. Like, he's <laughs> so much better that I an can't even comprehend. Margin. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I think you gotta get weird. You cannot fight him orthodox like you can't do the textbook things that, you know, fighters are looking for. I think you got to get a little outside the box. Maybe you move around like Tony Ferguson a little bit. Um, Again, I don't think you're going to have a lot of time to do that. Hmm. You know what? If I'm going Tony Ferguson, I'm going to move around like him for like a couple seconds. And once Kamara gets close, I'm just going to all sell out and try my best to get an Eminari roll. I think that's the move.
0: The roll is not as difficult as it looks believe it or not i
1: think i think that that's like the mma equivalent of like a hail mary is just like thrown out in me or something yeah, like that or like it's a crazy it's like
0: it looks a lot crazier than it actually is like yeah, I think, it looks... I've, I've tried it a few times and once you get like the movement down i mean while someone's moving it'd be much more difficult but like yeah that's that's not i guess i don't yeah i don't think he'd be um... dumb enough to do that <laughs>
1: No, I think that I would, like, maybe touch his, like, and all that what happened was he just, like, take a step back. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah. cool, now I'm on my back and I'm fucked. Now you're on the back,
0: yeah. I don't think he's yeah. a very showy guy either, too. Like, so he's, like, not looking for, like, a splat, like, a flashy knockout. Like, he's looking to just piece the shit out of you and then.
1: Yeah, I think that suffer. he would, like, make a point. Maybe, like, I asked him a tough question early in the week, and he's like, I remember you from the press room. I'm right. going to beat the shit out of you. Now, so yo, yo, maybe yo, that's what fighters happens.
0: Get the fuck up a press guy. Exactly oh, my zero, God, dude.
1: like this it's is like a cops a going dream. to prison, right? <laughs> it's a like cop going to prison and the prisoner is like, oh, you arrested me 10 years right, ago. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. And I definitely now that I think, about it, I definitely, definitely don't want to be there way more than you. Like, I think that you take it easy on you, but maybe not. me. <laughs> I don't know. Uh,
0: who, OK, is there any UFC fighter in history you think you could beat in a fight?
1: No, not even close.
0: I think I can even see at a Joseph Benavides. That is insane to say,
1: <laughs> but I'm just kidding. It's just, just small not small, even man. true. CM smaller. Punk is going to be everyone's best bet, but I still have not trained as much as CM Punk, so I'm going to say no.
0: Oh, I think I beat CM Punk. You think so? I think He's I a just, good jujitsu
1: guy, dude.
0: I would just Chris Martinez that shit, just fucking <laughs> eat everything and just until my brain literally shut off, just toss.
1: I just see red. I trained UFC, bro
0: yeah i just try to fuck <laughs> yeah that's why i stopped training because i just black out yeah pissed. i don't want to
1: hurt people man. i don't yeah. hurt
0: anybody yeah i get
1: God. i fucking <sighs> hate when people talk like that
0: there's real people out there too
1: yeah hey, yeah
0: and we we kind of did it theoretically here but it was oh, more yeah.
1: lighthearted. and we're obviously not going to be able to do this yeah and but i
0: was gonna rip my leg off and then beat me to death with it I think I would. I'd be the first ever person to lose
1: by knockout just from a guy looking at me wrong. I think I'd just <laughs> <I> freak out. <laughs> I think I have a, without any t- like strikes thrown. I think I could make the walkout. I think that I would not look confident at all. I would be maybe crying on the way in there. But I think I would have a legit heart attack if Bruce started saying my name. I had to look across at Kamara Usman. I think I would oh, just have a heart attack.
0: Sick dude, having Bruce Buffer to there. have a heart attack. No, just have Bruce Buffer like say your name. Oh, like, oh yeah, yeah. Just that one oh, time. That Even though you're about sick. to die, like, it'd be fucking sick. Be like, All right,
1: this is cool. I won't remember this when I get knocked out, but this is going to be right. cool for the tape, yeah. What would your nickname be if you're in there? He's like, John the Something Cox.
0: Um, yeah, Big Diesel. Big Diesel? All Big right, right. Diesel. yeah. Because now, now me I'm that. in the crowd, I'm moving for Big Diesel. For sure. Right, exactly. Yeah, there was nice. a guy I used to work with when I was a diesel mechanic, and he called me that. And then, ever since then... So, actually... I have a friend who likes to call himself Daddy, which is wicked annoying. Oh. So then I just started calling myself Big Diesel. And then he was like, stop calling yourself that. And I was like, no, you call yourself <laughs> Daddy. So I'm not going to stop. And then it just kind of like caught on a little bit. Nobody really calls uh, me, but every once in a while, I'll get, I'll get one every here and there. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it caught on. I kind of yeah. self-proclaimed nickname myself.
1: Yeah, there you go. Not as cool as Daddy, I
0: guess, but you know. No. Daddy, yeah, that's a tough one.
1: Yeah, that's that's a little girl. would be a really <laughs> bad nickname to have in the UFC. I don't think I could ever see Bruce like
0: Daddy Steven Daddy Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Oh, there's gotta be God, one yeah. like there's gotta be some weird ones out there. Like there's probably be obviously weird ones, but like there's gotta be some fucking stupid ones like that too. The bear mm-hmm. juice pretty goofy. Yeah. That, that's there's, the first one that comes to mind. The bear
1: there's dude, a, that's hilarious. Well John Jones used to be sexual chocolate before he was in the UFC
0: oh he was dude you're right
1: yeah that's that's my pick
0: that's a really dope that's your that's what you're coming out as.
1: no no oh. <laughs> but i think that's my pick for the weirdest one i know yeah
0: <laughs> be hilarious. i think the creepy weasel is still the funniest one
1: yeah true true that's a good one
0: all right moving on uh we'll close up the show here i do have a bet for you um and it is the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. He's opening at a plus 120. He's the number three ranked heavyweight right now, facing off against number seven Chris Daucus. Uh, Chris Daucus is good. I definitely, um, I can see him winning this fight, but Derek Lewis, uh, he's coming off that kind of embarrassing loss to um, Srogan. Uh, he's very good at setting a game plan and then following suit on it. And then in the contrary, he's also good at when the game plan goes to shit, still figuring it out. Um, I, I, I just, if, if Derek Lewis isn't, if you're, if you're giving me Derek Lewis as an underdog, I'm taking it every single time. So that's, that's my bet. Bet Derek Lewis in the main event.
1: Cool. And I'm also going to go on record and say that since I was right on Kai last weekend, my official record on this show is one and one, and I'm mm. going to call it a career there. I think a lot of you can learn from this lesson. Um, don't try and uh, stick around and try to get your money back if you're in a casino and you've already lost a couple hundred dollars, just take your L, you know? And if uh, if you somehow break even, take it. Just walk away. It's always better to just walk away, guys.
0: Always. Always better just to just um, walk away. Unless, yeah.
1: you, unless you win more money, then maybe that'd be fun. So yeah, maybe stick around.
0: Yeah, see how that works <laughs> out for you. They've got ATMs in at the uh, casino for a reason. 1-800-GAMBLING if you have a problem. 1-800-GAMBLING Sorry. if you have a problem, yes. That responsibly. All right, yes. this is what we're going to do. We're going to close up the show. Kind of a long one here. About an hour and a half uh let's see we're gonna read all the names here like we usually do and you guys have to listen to me stutter and fucking not know how to talk all right first off starting off this is um i should announce where the fuck it's from oh god almighty they don't have it posted online oh this is totally off the rails at the end of the show here this is from the apex i think yes it is they fucking insist on fighting out of this terrible place uh it's not a terrible
1: place it's a very high State of the art facility, but it is unfortunate not to have fans.
0: Right, They're like yeah. And also, I don't know if you, it.
1: I don't know if you know this, but if you want to buy a ticket to the Apex and watch one of these fight nights, it's the a flat penny. rate, no matter how, you no, know, no matter who's fighting, is two thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, isn't that so, crazy? Yeah, yeah, it's totally crazy. But that's the. US. But there is an open bar though, so
1: I mean, maybe oh. it's worth it.
0: And I'll pay two K for that. Yeah. <laughs> So Saturday, December uh, 18th, that is this Saturday coming up from the UFC APEC Center in Las Vegas. This will be um, exclusively on ESPN Plus, both the prelims and the main card. Main card starts at 7 p.m., prelims start at 4 p.m. We're going to start all the way down here at the bottom with the first fight of the night. It is a lightweight bout between Jordan Levitt, uh, Jordan Leavitt and Matt Sales. Jordan Leavitt, uh, very impressive on that. I believe it was the Contender Series he fought on. He looked really good on that. Then moving on, another heavyweight matchup before the main event. It is Dontel Mays versus Josh Parisian. Moving on to women's featherweight Raquel Pennington coming back against Macy Kiasin. Uh, featherweight matchup, Charles Jordain versus Andre Ewell. Women's flyweight, Ciara Eubanks versus Melissa Gatto. Heavyweight Justin Taffa versus Henry Hunsucker. Uh, bantamweight Rayoni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Middleweight, Dustin Stoltz. Stolt- Stolzfuss That's very German. Versus Gerald Um, uh, I think that is Gerald Merzat's first fight since fighting Hamzat, correct? I believe.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think he, I think he fought so. one more.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Uh, then, first fight on the main card. This is an exciting one, dude. Featherweight. Cub Swanson coming back and fighting Darren Elkins. I believe this is Cub Swanson's first fight since he blew the fucking shit out of his knee in that jiu-jitsu tournament. I know he hurt his knee real, real bad. I believe it was him. For,
1: yeah, for the record, Mir Sharma has fought twice since losing to Jamaya, but he's on a two fight, one streak.
0: Well, I'm an idiot. Uh, two straight Cubs, submissions. Wow. Oh, there we go. So Cub Swanson versus Darren, the damage Elkins. That's an awesome fucking fight, dude. That is a fight fans fight right there. Lightweight Carlos Diego Ferreira versus Matt uh, Matt's Gomrod. I think that's how you say that. Matt's Gomrod. Uh, Bantamweight, Rafael Asuncao versus Ricky Simone. Fan favorite right there. Women's strawweight, Amanda Lamos versus Angela Hill. And the welterweight co-main. Good fight right here. Steven Thompson versus Bilal Muhammad. That's going to be a fun one. And, of course, your main event is a heavyweight matchup between Derek, the Black Beast, Lewis, and Chris Dawkins. Again, that'll be December 18th. That is this Saturday. Uh, Main card starts at 7, and the prelims start at 4. Theo, you want to plug all your stuff? We're going to wrap this long one up.
1: Yeah, guys, if you want to check out the number one Irish MMA media outlet, check out SevereMMA.com. we got a bunch of articles covering all these events coming up. And if you're a fan of the In the Clinch podcast, you can check out the Severe MMA podcast, which is available on all platforms where podcasts are available.
0: Sweet. So that is our recap of UFC 269. We'll be back next Tuesday to talk about Derek Lewis versus Chris Dacus. And keep an eye out for the the end-of-the-year show where we're going to recap a bunch of shit in MMA – favorite fights favorite cards favorite fighters favorite yada, yada yada all that stuff best moments whatever you'll see got a good stuff good stuff planned for you so that's it for me uh theo that it for you
1: that is still it for me yes
0: all right we'll talk to you next week
1: peace is that it